Managing your mental health in the workplace is something we wouldn't have talked about much a few years ago, but things have changed. Society for one, and the COVID pandemic has brought work into our homes for many people, and worlds have inevitably collided. One person who's seen the effect of this on not just himself but others is Lee Rogers, who runs TalkTalk's Mental Wellbeing Network. He's seen the sharp end of mental ill health himself and is the guest on this week's episode of Walking the Walk with me, Dominic Laurie. Lee, cheers. Thanks for coming on. You you kind of you founded Wellbeing in, in TalkTalk, the Wellbeing community. And it's because of your own personal experience, which is often the way, isn't it? Tell us about the role mental health, bad mental health, good mental health has played in your life. Where, where did it start? So I always thought of myself as quite outgoing. I actually, as a kid, I, I thought of myself as slightly different um, in some ways. And I think I could never really put my finger on what that was. I then went off to uni. So the first uh, person in my family, that was great. I then went and did some coaching in America. And I got really kind of energized by it. It's a different culture out there. And I came back and applied that same energy into the UK and it didn't kind of land or sit well. So I started off a teaching career and then subsequently I, I was diagnosed with bipolar. And that came as a shock to me because when you're going through the diagnosis of it, it's, it's very difficult to then see yourself as different. You know, and I'd read research on it, which got me over the line to say, actually, there might be something that's different about me. What was the moment you realized that something was wrong, something was different? You had an issue that needed to be addressed in order for you to carry on with your life. What, 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 was, what was that moment? So I've had two bouts of mania in my life, and they were the moments that were the scariest and had damaging impacts on people around me. And I think that was the moment that I realized that there was... What, what is mania, Lee? What is mania? So effectively, for those that don't know, it's, it's periods of high, high energy, quite elaborate risk taking that you wouldn't normally do. And then deep depression. So the difficult times were almost the easy one to deal with. The mania being out of control, I found really difficult. So as an example, I shot off to America at the drop of a hat. Now that's not normal behavior for me. So you had this diagnosis. What did you then do with that? Did you park it? Did you go head on into it? Did you, what happened? I let it eat me up. It's the truth. I put a lot of barriers in what that meant and really went on a journey of self-discovery about what did that mean for me? Because when people talk about chemical imbalance, nobody ever did a chemical test on me, to my mind, that said, right, we're going to give you, you're deficient in this protein or whatever, and we're going to give you a supplement to kind of work that through. That said, all I knew was that it was the, like the third episode, so that my final period of mania that said there's something wrong and I need to continue taking the tablet for life ultimately. Yeah, and you're a bit younger than me, I reckon, but similar generation. And that was the that was the generation that said we need to fix this with drugs, and and it's not like well you might be a bit different, but you're okay. But it you know 20 years ago it was here's a pill, Lee, um, and was that the right thing? Uh, now, I'm not a medic, Dom, right? So I can't qualify and say, yes, what I, what I have got a suspicion of is I'm really curious around. I'd love to be almost part of an experiment that said, what if we did this differently? With greater self-awareness, mm. with greater controls, with greater resilient resources in a controlled fashion that said, is there a, a more holistic way out of this as opposed to just 
a drug treatment. And maybe you try to find those holistic ways yourself. Maybe, maybe is, is that what's happened? You know, over, you know, you've set up a wellbeing community and talk talk. I imagine there've been lots of steps between your first diagnosis and you doing that where you actually realized, hmm, maybe talking can help. Maybe other things can help. Yeah, because whatever it is, whether it's mental ill health or or whether it's racism, there's things that you can associate with people that have been through similar things to yourself. So once you can then collaborate with people, the idea was never to give people advice. You know, we're not trained doctors, but it's to create a community where they can, I guess, face into some of the things that they will experience. And who was that person? Who was that person for you? Who who was that first person you met that you thought, ah, here's someone that makes me feel relatively normal. It was a doctor that gave me the biggest kick up my bum ever. So when I was going through the period of depression, actually what someone, I was kind of playing on it a little bit because everyone rallied around and did lots for me. And a nurse basically gave me a kick up the bum and said, you're dragging your family, particularly your mum, through the mill and you need to do something about this for yourself. I'll never forget it. And I didn't quite catch a name, but it was the driver in me that said, I now need to take care of myself and no one's going to help me through this. So every subsequent line manager I've had, I've told them that wasn't the thing that was done. And there was lots of stigma around mental health all those years ago in context. Now it's different because we're, it's part of the everyday conversation. So I really wanted to open up the conversation. Society's changed, hasn't it? It's just different worlds of what it was 20 years ago in this, in this space, isn't it? I mean, especially with, you know, especially with men talking about ill, you know, ill mental health. I mean, that was just. You know, my, my parents' generation wasn't something you could ever do. And that's the thing. And I wanted to, I've not known what my, you know, my purpose in life now is to enable others to shine. And if I've helped one person by sharing my experiences, then that's, you know, that's good. Wouldn't it be great if that became a hundred? And that's kind of the mentality I've taken when I've, I've discovered this. You know, I'm, I'm somebody that has had to deal with lots of challenges in life. And I think, the more challenges you deal with, the better equipped you become then to face further challenges in your life. It wasn't just you and your family, was it, Lee? It's not just you that's had it, that's had difficulties. You know, look at the pandemic. This is societal. One in four people experience mental ill health. And I think it's it's so profound. People require help and assistance at a given moment in time, but also people can recover brilliantly. And actually use the experience for good. You have a choice whether on how you deal with the outcome of what experiences happen to you. So you said you want to help 100 people. The interesting thing is you're doing that within a corporate setting. You know, you haven't gone and set up a charity. I know you do, you know, recordings. I know you, you, you work with the BBC. You, you do lots of really great stuff. But your main role is within Talk Talk, And that's your crucible to help people. It's not about me, ironically. It's, it's about the, the challenges that we all face together. And how can we, how can we have it as part of the everyday, you know, well-being or mental health? So if you focus on the health side of that instead of mental ill health, everybody has mental health. So the six in six, as opposed to the one in six that um, is the number often banded around, is we all have a. How can you be proactive about your mental health and do things such as sleep well, eat well, drink well, you know, do regular physical activity? It's not just in isolation. The interesting thing is, I myself today had a, a difficult period mentally this morning. And I said to my boss, I need two hours out. I'm at my limit. And that was interesting to me because I really I needed it, but I'm not sure I'd have done that 
in some other circumstances, maybe for some other employers, maybe for some other bosses. What do you need to be able to say that to your boss? What, what, what's the right environment? What's the right, what has to come together for that to happen, Lee, in a company? You need permission. Ultimately, it needs to be role modeled. And I think it's great that you've been able to do that. And I think it's great that we work in an environment that that would be acceptable because actually we demand a lot out of each other from time to time. And I think there's a, a give and a take and an ebb and a flow to it. You know, we're not on a production line where there's so many widgets go past within an hour that we have to box within an hour. We're often paid in a corporate world these days to think. So your brain is a, you know, a unique organ that we need to serve really well. And if it's not quite firing at a given moment in time, I think it's perfectly acceptable to say, you're not going to get the best out of me right now. You know, we had a family loss last week, very unexpected, 30-year-old, and she'd just given birth to a 10-day-year-old daughter, and she had a two-year-old son. And it, it was at that moment that, you know, we've readdressed, well, what is the purpose of our life? What are we doing? And it, it boils down to kind of the simple stuff, you know, the making the memories, the being in the moment, the playing when it's time to play. But that the experience that I've been through, you know, I've tried to take my own life in the past and I actually take every day and cherish every day now as, as something that's a gift. And I've really turned a, a flip, or I've flipped in my life to say, to look at the positives and I'm far more optimistic. And I realise for people listening to this, that that's not the same for everyone and it's not easy to do. That's just been my choice throughout time. I'm sorry about you relatively. That's, that's really awful news. I'm really sorry about that. Um, practically, what do companies need to do? What do, you know, it's about trust. It's about permission, but those are concepts. What do, what do companies need to do to implement this culture? They have to listen. And I think they need structures in place that have mental health as proactive as part of their everyday. I don't think it's a thing. I don't think it's a, an, a, an a one-off event. For a week, it's great that we highlight it as part of Mental Health Week, but it's it's fifty two year sorry fifty two weeks a year that's really important. It's part of you know have you got an Exco board listening to their employees? Do you know when burnout's happening within the organisation? How do you tell that, Lee? How do you tell? I mean, how do you tell for an organisation that staff are struggling? Is it is it the cohort? Is it individuals? What what are the metrics? You'll absolutely feel it. First off, it, you will see it in your performance. You know, it will go down to the bottom line. I am absolutely convinced. And, you know, high performance for me is around not just hitting a number once a month. It's how you sustain that over a longer period of time. So if we talk about sustainability of resources, have we got sustainability within our talent overall? Are we enabling people and challenging people to think differently? What you're hearing, how many cases are you having where people are, uh, off work with stress that that might not be the underlying reason but that's often an indicator but what you're doing proactively what's your program what's your strategy around mentally healthy organizations i'm very sorry that things got so bad with you lee that you felt you had to take your life does that mean that you see things in people do you think you are sensitized do you think you can see the signs do you think you you're sort of susceptible to signposting from others about when they have difficulties I think it's made me a, a better listener. And I think it's not, it's not for me to ever solve a problem. It, it's for me to potentially signpost. I think you've hit the nail on the head. And my mantra really is to get people to the best medical 
provisional care that they can when they're in crisis. And there's brilliant organisations and brilliant charities that do that day in and day out in this country. I think the NHS is stretched, but I don't think we have as good a mental health provision in the NHS as we do a physical provision. I think that's absolutely crystal clear. So you're a manager in Talk Talk um, or another company listening. You know, we've got listeners from lots of other companies. What are three signs we should look out for when not just a, a colleague, but a friend or a relative is in real distress? So for me, you would seek difference. So when is someone acting completely differently how they would normally, maybe in a, in a one-off incident? If you notice that difference subtly over a period of time, and actually if someone then completely withdraws, they're the three kind of indicators to me that I would intuitively probably pick up on more than, than ever before. The other thing, Dom, is you never know somebody's story, someone's rationale, and you just often need to be there and listen. It's not about problem solving. So I was going to ask you, what do you then do about it? So is that listening? I mean, what's, what's, what's the next step? It'd be listening to encourage others to, to actually, what are their next steps for themselves? What are they willing and committing to do? Because as much as I might listen to someone and say, well, you need to go and see a GP, they're not necessarily going to listen to that advice. You know, often organizations have brilliant EAP services, so employment assessment programs that are, are phenomenal in this space and can have real quick access to triage and medical support. I can see behind your left shoulder that you have the ongoing burden of being a United fan, um, which I do sympathize with. Um, so how do you, <laughs> jokes aside, how do you manage your mental health and so that you can prosper, thrive? I know from you being a colleague and seeing your feverish, voluminous work on our internal channels that you do so much, you do a lot, you're having good fun by the looks of it. How do, you, how do you manage yourself so you can thrive? So I have to get the fundamentals right of my day job. I have to be as efficient and as effective in my day job that I possibly can be that then allows me the, the space to be then curious and enable others to shine. Build from the basics. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, if you get that right and if you get in the bread and butter right of your job and your role and being progressive in that, it then gives you flexibility to go and explore new channels, new, create new ideas and, and know when to let go as well. So know when to hand something over to somebody else or to learn new things. It's the constant evolution of what it is that you, you've got going. That's all for today. If you like the podcast, please subscribe in your podcast app. And if you have time, give us a review. If you have a suggestion or question, get in touch on Twitter at TalkTalkGroup. You can follow us there or also on LinkedIn. Thanks a lot for listening.